What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys wondering how much Guns N' Roses was paid for this movie with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I don't ever want to see or hear a goat again. I'm Keith Baker, and I like how Russell Crowe didn't work out to prepare for the role. And I'm Austin Terry, and I miss the simple times in the MCU like Thor The Dark World. On today's show, we are discussing the newest entry to the MCU with Thor Love and Thunder. But before we get to that, what mythical weapon do you think you would be worthy of? Yeah, I think I'm a pretty average person. I don't think I'm particularly worthy of anything special. So I think I would just be worthy of a slightly enhanced kazoo that has no abilities. And just every time I play it, it calls other people to come fight the battle for me. I think I'd have to revert back to our D&D days and I'll have to go with a slingshot. We could just form our own superheroes, uh, Guns N' Roses band with my kazoo and Keith could kind of twirl his slingshot in the air and I'm sure he can make a sound that way. Yeah, I guess I guess then I would have to have a, a microphone that allows me to have the vocal range and, and, and beauty of one Axel Rose. Or Axel Heimdall. <laughs> yeah, it's, that is his full name. <laughs> I'm Axel Heimdall. <laughs> All right. Well, our band, our Guns N' Roses cover band filled with mythical instruments and tools, uh, name still pending. But for now, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. This is an exciting one, guys. This is an exciting one. You know, Thor, I think I can speak for all of us as a character that we're all pretty big fans of in general. This is his fourth outing, and it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for the old God of Thunder. Going way back to 2011, he started out in that first Thor movie, and I think, you know, us three might be a bit higher than the average person on that one. But then, you know, he took a little bit of a, a dumpster dive in the old Bifrost when it came to his sequel, The Dark World. Nobody really likes that one. And it was so bad, in fact, that they abandoned their original plans for Thor Ragnarok, which was supposed to be like a serious disaster movie. And they were like, you know what? Let's just give it to the What We Do in the Shadows guy and make it really funny. <laughs> so they did just that. And it ended up being a pretty huge hit, I think, universally considered to be one of the better Marvel movies. Good balance of comedy, heart, drama, emotion, character development, kind of everything you want. Um and he's back, you know, since Thor Ragnarok, you know, Thor has gone through quite the emotional journey in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. He's basically acknowledged that he's lost pretty much every single person close to him, whether it be family or friends. And he's dealing with immense guilt whenever he can't uh, get that final killing blow on Thanos before he destroys half of the universe's population. So he's certainly... Not in a very good place. And that's kind of where things pick up in Thor Love and Thunder. He's trying to figure out his place in the world. And when an old flame returns, it kind of uh, puts that into more question. Who is he going to be? And uh, yeah, I, I will say that the words love and thunder have quite a few meanings in this movie, which was quite exciting. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Austin and Keith, how about you remind us all of your thoughts on the Thor franchise, if you want to call it that? And just the character in general. And then, of course, let me know your non-spoiler thoughts on Thor, Love, and Thunder. Yeah, Thor is one of those characters that I think when, um, when they originally started out in the MCU, they didn't know if they wanted him to be serious, if they wanted him to be funny. And so I think where they've landed on him, uh, where we're at today with him being kind of just a funny guy who 
has some serious stories. I, I think that's really worked for the character. Um, I do think he's best when he's in an ensemble and has other characters to play off of. And, and Chris Hemsworth has just such great comedic timing that the more people he has to bounce off of, I think really helps the character. Um, going into Thor Love and Thunder, I think it's a great Thor movie. I'm not sure if it's a great MCU movie. Um, what I mean by that is I think it's really fun. Um, I had a good time with it. I think it definitely has some tone issues. It definitely doesn't feel as important in the context of the broader MCU as kind of some of our other projects have felt. I do think they tried to lean too much into the comedy of this one. I think they saw that that worked in Ragnarok and they're like, let's just do that again. Um, I do think that at the end of the day, it hurts the seriousness of the story they're trying to tell. I think Kristen Bale as our villain is great. I felt like Jane Foster was used really effectively in the story. Um, but overall, it still didn't really carry that emotional weight for me that I was looking for from a movie post-Endgame, um, our first time checking in with Thor, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. I do think it's the best MCU project since No Way Home, for sure, this year. I, I would definitely put it up there. Um, but overall, I would say it's just kind of a dumb, fun movie. Yeah, I love the first Thor movie. Um, from what I can remember, it's been a while since I've seen it. Going to Thor Dark World, can't remember anything about this movie. Like, if you asked me to, like, say one scene from it, I couldn't tell you anything. I can't remember anything about Dark World. Loved Ragnarok. I think that's what really brought me into Thor was Ragnarok. Because I, I, I remember, see, like I said, I remember seeing the first Thor and I remember liking it, but not really remembering a whole lot from it. But Ragnarok's really what put, it, put him on the mat for me. I, I love that movie overall. And then, yeah, going to Love and Thunder, like you said, Austin, definitely... They definitely lay more into like the Ragnarok comedy side of it on this one, which I like. Um, I I, I love I love how funny Thor is and all of his his side characters like Korg and Valkyrie and and all those guys. Um, so it was really yeah really a fun ride. I had a I had a really good time in the theater last night watching it. I think I do think a couple things do get lost in the comedy, and I think we'll, we will get into that in, in a little bit. But um, overall, I had a good time with it. Thor is always entertaining. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, yeah, I think the Thor character is one that everybody loves at this point. I think it took a while to get there, but I think primarily just because he is so funny and like just kind of exudes a fun to be around personality, which is kind of one that you wouldn't expect for a god is kind of interesting and very easy to latch onto. But yeah, I think some of my favorite parts about the Thor character is the more serious stuff. I think probably might still, even after this movie, my favorite Thor moment is when he's talking with Rocket in Infinity War. And he basically, it's really a weird like writing feat, but he basically tells Rocket that he's kind of sad because he's lost every single person close to him in his life, whether they died or they're gone, but he's like still like cracking jokes. So it's just without saying it, they clearly, without explicitly saying, I use humor as a defense mechanism. That's what that scene told me and it really kind of made me feel even better about the Thor character and even going into Endgame, you know, seeing somebody that feels such immense guilt and PTSD and it kind of manifests itself in like overeating um, that became his vice during that time. I thought that was pretty seriously and well handled while still having, you know, the funny elements of the character. So going into Thor Love and Thunder, I was like, how are they going to transition from that point. I think they did, for the most part, a pretty admirable job. It would have been nice to, I don't know, get a little bit more in Thor's head, um, just like post-Endgame, I guess, just to, I don't know, I guess I didn't need too, too much more. It would have been maybe a little bit too on the nose if they had done that. But I think for the most part, they picked off, they picked up where things left off pretty well. Um, I do completely agree with you guys. While I had such a great time with this movie, I was laughing all the way through it, there are some great jokes, just some good recurring bits. 
yeah, I think um, like what you guys said, it's just that while there is a lot of emotional and heartfelt stuff in this movie, it's just really surrounded by like so much comedy that at times it's hard to feel super like emotional or get teary eyed at moments because you're always expecting, oh, are they just going to kind of break the tension here with another joke? So that wasn't an issue I had with Ragnarok. I feel like Ragnarok had a good balance of like maybe maybe I'm overestimating, but like 50-50 comedy and then kind of emotional, heartfelt drama, character piece, MCU movie. Um, This one is definitely way more towards the comedy side, maybe more towards like, I don't know, 75 or 80 percent. And like I said, all that stuff worked for me. I thought it was hilarious. But it's just that all those other moments that I wanted to feel something, I couldn't quite get there. And I think it's because it just didn't always fit within this movie or story, unfortunately. That being said, I would absolutely recommend it because I still, despite all that, had a blast with it. What are you guys thinking about some of the negative, both fan and critical reviews that have been out there for this movie? Do you think it's warranted or do you think it's people just kind of upset that the MCU still doesn't feel as important today after Endgame? So much has come out since Endgame already, though. Yeah, I don't know. I think I guess we'll get into kind of like the critical reviews later. So maybe that'll help us with that part of the conversation. I think part of it is just that fans are. I don't think fans of the MCU often live in the moment. I think they're just so obsessed with, oh, my God, look at that reference. What's that going to lead to? Like in like five years, kind of like how whenever we first saw Avengers and Thanos popped up at the end and it's like, oh, shit. And that didn't pay off for like six years or whatever. I think all the fans are just waiting for those moments now. And it's like you got to live in the moment, like enjoy the movie you're watching. Sure. Whenever the credits roll, you can think about like all the little Easter eggs and like references and things that they're setting up. but. I mean, you should still enjoy what's in front of you. And I feel like with phase four, since it's right after Endgame, people are coming away disappointed from stuff like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or Thor Love and Thunder because, I don't know, it wasn't what they expected it to be. And I don't think it's, um, you know, crazy to note that with, I think, by far the most critically praised, well, maybe not even critically, just like the thing that fans have praised the most in Phase 4 was Spider-Man No Way Home. And I really feel like that's just because Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in it. I don't think that's because these same fans are like going through and critically breaking down each of the individual scenes and like everything works perfectly. Because like we talked about in our review, when you watch No Way Home, there's a lot of things that are just blatant plot holes that they didn't even care to fix <laughs> because they're like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. So I, I think, you know, whenever fans get like those cameos, that's kind of all they care about sometimes. So I think, you know, I would just say live in the moment a little bit, have fun. Um, this is what this kind of movie's for. But that being said, we're going to talk about it later. This movie does have problems. So some of like, yeah. the critical reviews and fan reviews, like complaining about maybe too much comedy and that ruins some of the emotional moments. I'm right there with them. So, I, you know, I, I think there's kind of a balance between those two things. And the other thing I wanted to ask before we do move into spoilers is we've kind of mentioned it that the comedy is more prevalent in this movie. It actually kind of feels like an MCU parody at times. It feels like they're poking fun at the MCU as a whole. Um, A lot of times people talk about the Marvel formula and how they have this set thing that you have to do for all their movies. I think now with Taika having had two Thor projects, I think there also might be a Taika formula uh, for the Thor character. Do you guys think he should come back for another Thor movie or would you want to see it handed off to a different creative team? Maybe I think he has the potential to maybe change his formula. I wouldn't mind him coming back. But if they handed off somebody else, I wouldn't care either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's It sounds like pretty universally people liked Ragnarok way more than this. But I think despite that, you can look at Ragnarok as kind of a, I don't know, like a action comedy hybrid, so to speak. 
And this is way more of a, I mean, not only is it just a comedy, but it's definitely a romantic comedy. So even if you didn't like this one as much, Taika and team definitely did something pretty radically different with this movie. Yes, that comedy and that styling is still there, but the story, the way the characters interact, and then kind of that romance love story element made it feel wholly different. So I feel like if he came back to do a fifth Thor project, he would probably, you know, do something that still has that comedy, but kind of has other genre elements in it as well. So I'd be curious what he would do with a third outing. Yeah, I think I would be as well. Um, and they, you know, we'll get into it, but they, they definitely set up for another Thor outing. So we'll have to see what happens. Indeed, indeed. So with that, I guess let's go ahead and drop that spoiler warning and get into it. I'm excited for this one. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. So if you have not seen Thor Love and Thunder, go check it out and come on back. We'll be waiting for you. And as always, if you don't really give a shit about spoilers and just stick around, it's going to be a fun conversation. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are officially in spoiler territory. So as always, Austin and Keith, hit me with that cast and crew to get us started here. All right. So Thor Love and Thunder is, of course, directed by Taika Waititi, who is most well known for what we do in the shadows, Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit. Um, He's also largely credited with the one to make Thor fun. It's written by Waititi and Jennifer Caton Robinson. Interesting to note that Watiti had no writing contribution to Ragnarok, um, but on this movie he did contribute to that and is kind of taking that over as well for the character. And our score for Thor Love and Thunder is composed by Michael Giacano, who is most well known for his contributions to Mission Impossible, Jurassic World, the MCU, Star Trek, and the Pixar franchises. And we have an additional composer joining Giacano, uh, Nami Melamond, who is most well known for the Star Trek franchise. And going to our cast, we have Chris Hemsworth returning as Thor, Christian Bale, as Gore, the God Butcher, Tessa Thompson returning as King Valkyrie, Jamie Alexander as Sif, Taika Waititi as Korg, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, and we got Russell Crowe as Zeus, and Natalie Portman returning as Jane Foster, Mighty Thor, and featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy for a brief uh, few moments. And we have a Nice to See You award. Our post credit scene saw the return of Idris Elba as Heimdall, and the potential setup of the new villain with Brett Goldstein as Hercules. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. There's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? I think we actually have the potential for a future budding friendship between Hercules and Thor, just Absolutely. based on how he's used in Marvel Comics. Um, <laughs> my highlight, I think, and it could be universal, but it's got to be Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. The guy's incredible. He's giving his all in this movie. He's so creepy. He's so scary. Uh, my biggest kind of nitpick with the movie is that I think the comedy does take away from how creepy Gore the God Butcher is in this movie. Um, I love the way he like slinks around his interactions with all the cast is super fun. And I think on the tier of MCU villains we've gotten, it'd probably be Thanos, Killmonger and Gore for me. He's super up there. I think he's one of the best MCU villains we've gotten so far. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I'll second that. Um, and I might shot I might shot another one too, but yeah, Christian Bale is awesome as Gore. Um, he's one of my favorite actors of our generation for sure. And like you said, Austin, yeah, he was really creepy. I liked his whole like weird look about him, like kind of slimy and <laughs> just creepy looking. I do think that his like aspect of his villain does get kind of lost throughout the movie, though. Towards the end, you really don't feel like uh, there was a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for stakes to him, I guess. 
Um, that's my one nitpick with him as well. And I'll shout out um, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. I thought she was cool coming back. Um, she played a cool Mighty Thor. And yeah, so she was fun overall. Good performance. Yeah, I mean, those were my exact two as well. Uh, definitely Christian Bale and Natalie Portman, I thought, gave the best performances in the movie. And I second everything you guys said about the character stuff, too. I'm excited to get more into Jane Foster's story. But yeah, just yeah, to start with the gore stuff, my, really, my biggest problem is I just wanted more of them. And yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes the comedy took away from those moments whenever they would cut to him. But I still think he found a way to make it work. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of want a little bit more. But he's definitely up there for me. Uh, and the Jane Foster stuff, too, is the other storyline in the movie that I think is quite emotional that sometimes the comedy can take away from. But I still think they did a really good job with. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody's really good. I guess Chris Hemsworth is our titular, or I guess I should say one of our titular Thors. I think he is always great to watch. Super funny. You can tell when he's improvising. Sometimes it works, of course. Sometimes it doesn't, but he's very good at it. And then in the dramatic moments, he was great as well. So I'll give him a quick shout out. But yeah, I think that kind of covers the cast for me. All very good. I was a little disappointed in how much Tessa Thompson was used. It's always fun to see her back in Valkyrie, but she definitely gets kind of relegated to the sidekick role. Uh, I was hoping she would have a bigger part in this story. So that was a letdown for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So, you know, our thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder, but let's get into what are the critics and fans saying? So this one received generally positive reviews and currently has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, in some ways, Thor Love and Thunder feels like Ragnarok redone, but overall it offers enough fast-paced fun to make this a worthy addition to the MCU. Audiences were around the same place, maybe a bit more positive. Uh, those polled over on CinemaScore gave it a B-plus rating, and those at post-track gave it a 77% score, with 63% saying that they would definitely recommend it. Critics praised the lightheartedness of performances from the cast, uh, the ones that we called that actually, particularly Christian Bale and Natalie Portman. And the primary criticisms focused on the inconsistency of tone and the screenplay. Some noted that emotional moments are hard to fully embrace when the rest of the movie is surrounded by very consistent, goofy comedy. So it sounds like we're pretty much in line with them there. Any other thoughts before we move on? The tone thing is definitely something we're going to talk about more. And there are some bits that I think could have been just good one-off jokes that just kept coming back over and over. Like the kind of love triangle between Milnor, Stormbreaker, and Thor. That was it was a fun the first time they did it, but it's like an actual story in the in the movie now. And it's like they're like sentient creatures who have emotions and it just it opens up so many questions that like it's that's one example of I, I think they went too far into the jokes for this movie. For sure. And then like, you know, there's stuff like like I just mentioned, the Jane Foster storyline, which was incredibly emotional. You know, we didn't see this character in Ragnarok. We haven't seen her I guess maybe there was a brief cameo in Endgame, but I, I don't even know if Natalie Portman actually filmed that scene. But anyway, we really haven't seen her properly since like Dark World, like nine years ago. And to bring her back in with this, you know, really sad and, you know, you know, just really sad cancer storyline was hard to watch and hard to see that character because I always liked her. Um, and then it, it feels like it's going in a good direction for a lot of the movie until... To be honest, it just feels like the writers couldn't really come up with a good reason. I mean, there's literally a scene whenever they lose to Gore on the uh, the Shadow Realm planet, and then they get back to New Asgard, and Jane is like, you know, dying again. And the doc, I think the doctor literally says something like, "Oh yeah, like her continued use of Mjolnir. There's just something stopping the chemo from working." It's like what? Like okay, so like we're just supposed to believe that her you know, using Mjolnir and being Thor is actually causing her to die faster. 
And if they had set up like just any reason why that might be the case, I, I would have bought in. It's just it, it it's it's a shame that there's somehow a goofy element to that cancer storyline because it it makes no sense. <laughs> Especially when they set up that she was using Milnor because she's like, I turned away from science and went with magic because they originally set up that Milner was protecting her body from the cancer. And then they totally undo that by the time the movie ends. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that. She just ends up dying because of it. Very strange. Last thing I'll praise before we move into our broader discussion is the visuals I thought were incredible in this movie, particularly the Shadow Realm and the way they fight on that planet and you get a whole view of them moving around the planet was super cool. I like the filter they put on it. It was not not quite black and white, but kind of like, like what do they call it? Cephia kind of filter to it. It was, mm. it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good looking movie. No doubt about that. No. Um, but yeah, I guess with that, guys, uh, let's go ahead and just get into our roundtable discussion here. We each brought a couple points that we felt deserved a little more time, a little more in-depth conversation. So I guess I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, I kind of mentioned it at the very top with my just initial thoughts on the Thor character, but I wanted to see what you guys thought of of just where the movie starts from a general point of view. Uh, with Thor's depression while still trying to help people, his time with the Guardians and some of those initial action scenes, and then first finding out about the God Butcher from Sif's distress call. What do you guys think of kind of the general opening and where's Thor's at? I thought the opening of this movie was super fun. It was a really good way to kind of get you back into the the Thor side of the MCU. It's a super funny opening. It was really fun to see the continued relationship of Thor and the Guardians kind of working together. Uh, I will say I did kind of want to learn more, particularly from the Guardian side of you, about how they're feeling after Endgame. Um, they're kind of gimmicky, I felt like, in the opening. It was fun to see them, but they don't have a huge role. Is Guns N' Roses overused? Of, of course, but... Was I upset watching Thor run around to Welcome to the Jungle? No, it was super fun. So overall, I thought it was a fun intro. Yeah, I liked it because it was, it was something I was looking forward to seeing after uh, seeing Thor team up with Peter Quill. And yeah, I like the, I liked the, uh, the planet they went to with, where the blue, the blue guys were talking to him the whole time. And like the Muppet monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> Thor destroys the palace. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and the guy's like, and or Thor's like, and your beautiful planet is still intact. And then the palace collapses and he's like, <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the right word for it. It was just a fun start, kind of get you back in that feel of the Thor, you know, slash Guardian side of this universe and that tone. So that was super fun to see. Sure, what I'd like to see more of the Guardians, of course, but I think, you know, I think they were just trying to tease us a little bit because we have Guardians Volume 3 coming, I guess, less Next than summer. a year at this point. Yeah, so... That'll be exciting. Who knows? Maybe Thor will pop up in that. So maybe we will get some more of that back and forth. I mainly just like that we got to see more of the um, tension, I guess you could say, between Thor and Star-Lord whenever uh, Thor's parting gift to Peter Quill is his own ship. <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. And I still do appreciate that there were moments thrown in there that maybe for some people they were funny, but I actually thought that they were handled pretty well with with enough grace at least like in that opening montage whenever they're playing Enya <laughs> which I thought was super funny seeing Thor like strapped to his mom as a baby going into battle with his little mini hammer <laughs> but then at one point they cut over to like him talking with Peter Quill and he just like bursts out crying and I think yeah a lot of that uh, mentality is still within him at the beginning of the movie uh, but they still find a good way to make it funny too he's like I have to find inner peace and then he goes and sits on top of that bluff and it's just like hey thor we need your help he's like okay <laughs> so it it's it's kind of all over the place they definitely have some uh serious moments embedded in there so it was fun to see the guardians in that sense um 
But yeah, I thought it was a good place to start. I love that opening action sequence, like you guys mentioned. It's super fun. Love seeing him do the splits. <laughs> that was like my first big laugh <laughs> of the movie. Whenever he turns to uh, like one of the monsters on his left and they just start screaming at each other. <laughs> the first bit that got me pretty good. So it, it was a good start, to be sure. I did think a, a little bit... Um... A little bit with the destruction of the palace, it, it did kind of feel like where the Thor character was at in the first movie, where he's not paying attention to collateral damage. I, I think what we're supposed to interpret from that is after Endgame, he's just all over the place and depressed, and I think he views himself as a tool for other people. I don't think they did a good job of explaining how he's feeling that. I, I think that's where they were headed with it, but it, it did feel weird watching him have no consideration for these people's holy place after we've kind of seen this character grow to that point where he should care. That's fair. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess in general, that's just part of the character. It's kind of embedded in him now after all this loss. And I, I kind of just liked in general the idea of this story being about trying to find purpose. Because as we know, really, I mean, at least for the first like two full Thor movies, his entire goal was to become the king of Asgard after Odin died. And then at the end of that, he just accepts that he doesn't want to do that. Uh, he would rather be on Earth with Jane and then, you know, cut to the other Avengers movies and Ragnarok. And now he's he's just trying to do his own thing. He's trying to help people. But then at the end of that, he's forced to become king of Asgard, which, of, of course, is short lived once Thanos arrives. And so then to be king, witness them all die. And then by the end of Endgame, hand over that power to Valkyrie to watch over the new people of new Asgard on Earth. It, it is actually, yeah, it's kind of a pretty interesting journey Thor has gone on. Like he really has had to kind of be very flexible with his life purpose because it keeps changing. And then it's like the one time in his life where he doesn't want to be king of Asgard is when it's shoved upon him at the end of Ragnarok. And then Thanos comes and like half of them are killed like almost immediately. So he is in a really dark place. And seeing him in this movie, at least they spend some time with him trying to figure out what he should be doing. And then I think that's the perfect time to bring in Jane Foster. So I think kind of setting him up in the beginning uh, that way and that just general storyline worked pretty well for me. So we've touched on kind of the shifting tones between the comedy and then the more serious stuff with gore in this movie. I want to know just from you guys really quick, do you think the tones were blended effectively or or was it jarring for you? Oh, man. Right, I mean, right off the bat, getting into Gore's intro as the God Butcher, um, I, was, I, th- I thought it was setting up for like a more, a really more of a serious movie. I was like, oh shit, like this guy's going to be a bad mofo. And he's going to go murder a bunch of people, and it's going to piss Thor off, and Thor's going to be mad this entire movie. It quickly transitions into like this overall comedy. Um, so yeah, were they blended effectively? Not always for me. I think Gore's motivation gets lost throughout the movie. Um, by the end, like I don't really feel like he's really that bad of a guy. Like He just seems like, he, oh, he's just a guy trying to avenge his daughter, but in the wrong way. And, like Now we're supposed to feel sorry for him, I guess. Yeah, we just never saw him doing his, you know, titular God butchering. <laughs> uh, we see him kill the guy in the beginning, but that guy deserved it without question. Um, and that, yeah, that's like the one time that you don't feel conflicted about him because they actually spent time showing us what Gore was going through and how like a God responded. And then the rest of the movie, we just kind of see his, um, I guess, the aftermath of some of his uh, actions where, you know, like where we find Sif, for example. But yeah, then the rest of the movie, they just tell us like Zeus, I think, tells us that he's been killing a bunch of gods, but we never see it. I think maybe if they had shown us a few more times, we would have felt that villainy more. Really, of course, I mean, him kidnapping the Asgardian children is terrible, but I I do understand what you're saying, Keith. By the end, it's like 
wow, with it's just I guess whenever we see him dying at the end, we think back to that intro and we're like, oh my god, what a amazing villain setup. This could have been one of the all time greats, like just in terms of villainy, but like you feel conflicted, but you're also like, I kind of get it at times. Uh, and by the end, they didn't really nail that because a lot of this was just telling us things that Gore did and they didn't show us a whole lot of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they make a comment at one point of they mentioned a god he's killed and they're like, oh, he was so peaceful. Um, but I, I kind of think we needed to see him kill some good gods uh, for us to buy that he's actually an evil villain because all we all we really see in the MCU is that gods are assholes except for Thor. So it's, it's hard to feel too bad about that when when you see what Gore went through. Do you guys feel like the comedy took away from the movie for you guys, or did it add to your enjoyment of the movie? Um, I think it, for me, was a case-by-case basis. Whenever I was seeing some of like, the first reviews coming out, and you know, this was the most consistent criticism talking about how like, you know, the comedy can really take away from some of the more emotional moments, I was kind of preparing myself going in. So maybe since I had lower expectations for that, it ended up working. In a lot of cases, it did work. Like I said, I was really expecting the cancer storyline to be really not well handled, especially with the level of comedy. And like I said, really the only moment that didn't work for me wasn't didn't have to do with comedy. It was just the plot hole to me of like, oh, now using Mjolnir and being Thor is killing her. So that had nothing to do with like, you know, the back and forth of the comedy and the serious tone. So that worked. I guess for me, it was really kind of the more of the gore stuff like we just mentioned. I still think Christian Bale being such an amazing actor, he was able to kind of make it work. Um, and I wouldn't put it on him. I might more put it on Chris Hemsworth and I'll give that example in a second but with all the comedy going on and then like it cuts over to gore the god butcher inside the uh uh like the whatchamacallit like the, the cage with all the asgardian children that was one of my favorite moments of the movie they would like listening to axel tell like thor's story because he's so excited for thor to come save them and then gore is like oh well i'll tell you a story and like he shows them his little pet they look kind of excited then he's fucking rips its head off he's like <laughs> i thought you liked it and he just looks terrifying so I think because Christian Bale is so good, it um, he and his individual scenes, he was able to kind of make the blend that you're talking about, Austin, work. But I guess I think the best way I can put it is I think other characters, when they're talking about Gore or they're referencing his plan or what he's doing, that's where it's weird. I think the worst offender of the movie is when Thor first uses Heimdall's power, which I thought was so cool, the fact that Heimdall taught Thor how to use that power, and he communicates with Heimdall's son. Whenever he gets to the cage with the children, this should be really scary. Like, Gore, this guy that's going around murdering gods, and he's now kidnapped all these children, like the, like the future of New Asgard. He has kidnapped them. Uh, it's like, what's he going to do? And that should make a, that should be a scene that Gore doesn't appear in, but we feel so scared of him because of the situation. And Thor shows up and is immediately just like bumbling around and cracking jokes. And it's like, Chris Hemsworth, you're a phenomenal improviser. You are. But this is either your fault or Taika's script fault, because this is not the time for making jokes. It's just weird. <laughs> and that's where the comedy totally takes away from the movie for me, because to your point, Matt, he shows up there and he's like, ah, I'm putting together a team. Don't worry, kids, we're coming. Um, and then later cuts back to the, him force projecting to the kids. And then Valkyrie's tickling his nose while he's there. Oh that should God. also be a very serious <laughs> scene. So they have they have a very serious and dark plot line, but then they keep wanting to make it more light tone by throwing in this comedy, and it just doesn't feel as important. So the comedy was really fun for me, but when we get to the gore stuff, that's where it takes away from the movie for me. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, like, and to answer your question at the beginning, did it take away overall? No, because I, I I walked out of the movie theater just really really happy and I enjoyed the overall movie because um, I laughed my ass off the entire time. 
but as far as like in, you know enjoying the story um yeah it definitely takes away from seeing a, a broader view of gore so it's kind of like man i wish i wish he wouldn't have died at the end of this because i'd like to see another movie with him as a as a villain i'd like to see the movie where he actually butchers some gods because it's mm. not this one interesting yeah it would have been cool to see a montage or a better montage i guess Just you could something. say yeah yeah apparently I, I was reading that uh they cut a lot of scenes from this movie, and apparently Jeff Goldblum is going to come back as the Grandmaster, and Peter Dinklage is going to come back as, I want to say, Eitri was his name? When they go to an Infinity War to make Stormbreaker, he's like the the god that like helps them make all these tools. And apparently they were both were coming back for this, and they had scenes with Christian Bale where he killed both of them. So it's even more interesting, knowing some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, that it's like they purposefully cut scenes, which would have showed Gork you know, butchering gods. So I don't know, maybe that was just something that towards the end they were like, ah, we don't need that. But I think they might have needed it in the long run. All right, well, let's shift away from Gore for a second and let's get into Jane. For me, I might, and I may have missed some stuff, sometimes I do, her ability to use a hammer um, I thought it was explained a little bit, but maybe not enough. And so let's talk about that as far as how she became to use the hammer and all that. And let's also just touch on her 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 character overall as as turning into the the mighty Thor. Yeah, I thought Natalie Portman uh, was really fun in this movie. I think she is way more fun than she was in her first two Thor movies. Um, I, I think that I think Taika helped this character out a lot. That's one of the positives for me in this movie. What I liked about this with Mighty Thor is. They didn't try to justify her being as worthy as Captain America to hold the hammer or any of that stuff, because I think that would have been really awkward if they'd done that, because we spent so much time seeing Captain America become worthy, and that moment in Endgame was super special. But I liked instead it was just a rune Thor unknowingly put on the hammer by saying, always protect Jane. And I thought that we kind of got a montage of their relationship since we've never seen it. That was also really effective to me because it actually made me care about their past and, and where they're at today. Yeah, I um I really like this stuff too. I think at first I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." They're just Mjolnir calls out to Jane and she goes to New Asgard. I thought there was going to be more to it, but no, she just gets there and the hammer reforges. I was like, "Okay, that's fine. I guess they're Jane. I guess Jane's worthy. Cool." I always liked Jane. I don't know if I guess at the time I was like, "Yeah, I like Jane. I I I didn't know that she was worthy." But then at the same time, like let's be honest, like, you know, in this world of the MCU, all these heroes Based on what they've told us about Mjolnir, I really do feel like a lot of people could lift it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of really good people out there. So the idea that it was like only Thor, Cap, and I guess Vision at one point, it was like, whatever. We we just have to kind of suspend our disbelief there. But I really like this. And then to your point, Austin, it made me like it even more kind of that she is worthy. But then there is also this element that during their relationship montage, while Thor is like cozying up to Mjolnir, he's like just telling Mjolnir how much he loves Jane and to always protect her. And then, like you say, you see that rune pop up. I was like, OK, that's cool. And I also completely agree with you. I wasn't expecting a bunch of like kind of flashbacks in this movie. They showed us clips from like the past movies that felt necessary at times. But then they also showed us something like their relationship, which was important because, like you said, we see him come back to her at the end of Dark World. And it's implied that they're going to be together. And then the next time that she's really brought up in like a significant way is Ragnarok. And it's just like, oh yeah, we broke up. I'm dealing with it or whatever. 
So we never really got to see their relationship, like you said, and it was really sweet. It was cute. It was fun to see a god and a human just in those kind of uh, situations. And I think they always had great chemistry. It's just maybe the writing didn't always support them. And, and I love this. I also got to call out another one of the biggest laughs. And it's just one of my favorite. The skating joke. Yep. <laughs> one of the best visuals is just Thor in rollerblades and then Jane hanging on to him behind with the rollerblades. And then he's <laughs> holding on to Mjolnir and it's just slightly pulling them. <laughs> that was so good. And then later. He's like, he's still skating. And she's like, no. And he's like, well, I am. Once you start blading, you never fade or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something stupid. I I was just kind of hoping for to see something like a little bit more of like the calling to the hammer. She just kind of out of nowhere just left and went to New Asgard. And it was she was just there. I'm just kind of nitpicking. But I really overall it was it worked for me. I did like her abilities are different than what we've seen with Thor, too. Like when she throws the hammer, it separates into all little pieces. Yeah, Um, I like that. that They made her skill set feel new. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Yeah, no, that was great. That was just a great, great, great visual and a cool little like follow through after Hela destroyed the hammer. Really neat. Um, also, just from like a character perspective, I thought I don't know. I I haven't seen like a lot of people like talk about Jane's character in this movie in depth because I wanted to avoid spoilers going in. I actually think Natalie Portman had to walk a pretty I don't know a pretty thin line here because when you think about it, you know, whenever she's not wielding Mjolnir and she's slowly dying of cancer. I mean, she's obviously very downtrodden and solemn as anyone would be. But then, you know, we still see that that same Jane Foster pop through that we did in the early movies whenever like I love the moment whenever she's in chemo and she is helping the kid understand wormholes. And you kind of feel like it's because she wants her legacy to live on in some way. She's like she's trying to teach this kid something because she knows that she can't always teach, you know, when she's gone. But that thin line once she gets Mjolnir and she and she's pretty immediately much happier, a little bit goofy, kind of almost in like the Stranger Things Robin way, which we saw Jane do in the early movies. Remember, she's kind of talking, her brain's moving so fast that her mouth can't always keep up. Like she kind of stumbles over her words sometimes. She tries to throw a joke out there and it's like, oh, that that doesn't work or something like that. It's kind of weird because she goes from like, she's like playing two different characters. But when you think about it, it's kind of like, I don't know if you were dying so quickly and you had been for the last six months and then you get this hammer that allows you to have like great strength, stamina, health, and you just feel immediately better. I don't know. Like I, I thought it was a really fascinating thing to watch because she's really funny when she's the mighty Thor. Then it's really emotional when she's not doesn't have the hammer. So I just thought it was a really cool way to do that character because, yeah, if you have to put yourself in her shoes in that situation, you got all this power all of a sudden. I think you know you would kind of revert back to your old ways in that sense. I thought it was fun to see someone excited to be a hero too because we've have all the heroes in mcu now are so experienced it, it's kind of cool to see someone like excited about their powers and like learning their abilities and coming up with their catchphrases and all that it was it was kind of a fun new dynamic for marvel kind of like in the boys you know when they take in, or taking like the compound v or whatever or the temp v mm-hmm. and they get to feel that power for the first time and he was just excited to be naked all the time just running around <laughs> with his cock out well so is thor i guess to that point because uh that one scene, I mean, how, how does Chris Hemsworth, like, doesn't everybody basically say ever since the first Thor movie, like, oh, my God, how did he do that to his body? But, like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> in the omnipotent <laughs> city, I was like, his body just looks completely fake. I know it isn't, but it's Do you think insane. they CGI a little bit of it? Apparently not. Apparently, this is the most muscle Chris Hemsworth has ever put on for Thor was for this movie. So he's, like, more Jack than he's ever been. He really, he really lost that dad bod and got that god bod back, as Korg says. <laughs> yeah, I did like that intro with Korg, like the legend of Thor. He got 
he got back in shape. <laughs> uh, speaking of omnipotent city, though, would you, how do you guys feel about seeing all the Greek gods? And for me, I, I thought it was fun. I thought Russell Crowe was great. I was, once they realized he's not going to get a team of gods put together, I was kind of hoping that he was going to give a call out to the Guardians and they would come in at the end because he does say, I'm putting a team together. Um, but I mean, overall, this was a really fun bit of the movie. Seemed weird that they didn't even try that. Um, they did set up at the beginning that the, like basically Thor is going to go after Sith and the Guardians are going to go after all the other distress calls. But yeah, it did seem weird that they didn't even like try reaching out. Omnipotent City. That's a hard one to say. Um, I love that sequence. It was super fun. Uh, going back to whenever he gets his clothes flicked off, another huge shout out for a big laugh was cutting to his back and just seeing the tattoo <laughs> rip Loki. Oh my God. there's just a shitty tattoo of like a, a heart broken in half. <laughs> it was so good. Um, I love the idea of like never meet your heroes. He talks about Zeus being the god of all gods, which I thought was an interesting element. Like, you know, the Greek god that we know is actually kind of the god of everything across all of these different, you know, religions and beliefs and all the gods in this universe. I thought that was interesting. And then to see that, you know, he is kind of the Zeus from original myth that he's lazy. He's a, a drunk. He all he wants to do is like have sex and seeing him like resist helping him and how that affects Thor was kind of cool. Led to a fun action scene as well. So, yeah, I like the visuals and pretty much everything going on there. Yeah, there was so many funny bits. I like whenever he's like, who's talking? Who's talking over there in court? Just like, these guys are talking. He's <laughs> <laughs> <just> like, come hither. <laughs> it was fun seeing Korg's god as well. Like, what's up, bros? <laughs> what about the dumpling god? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we do have what looks to be Korg's death, what looks to be Zeus's death, later on what looks to be maybe Valkyrie's death. <laughs> yeah. And, and none of that actually happens in the movie. Do you think there needs to be a bit more stakes for some of these characters in the Marvel movies? I'm glad that Korg didn't die because I just love, he's such a good comic relief. So yeah, I'm glad he didn't die. But maybe if Valkyrie would have died, that would have been maybe we're going back to our Stranger Things topic. Like they need to kill somebody off. Maybe that would have been the one to do. I thought she did die in that scene. And I was like, wow, that's gonna make Gore feel really more impactful to the MCU. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think death always has to be, you know, like the end all be all stake or anything. It's just like, yeah, like like we talked about last time with Stranger Things, and then here it's like you don't have to kill characters to make us feel things, but it's like whenever you do like the half measure of like Kor gets hit by Zeus's uh, lightning bolt or Valkyrie gets stabbed by Gore's necro sword and then they don't die. It's just kind of like, oh, OK, kind of strange. Um, that being said, I'm glad they didn't because I like them. I just wish that they hadn't like, you know, had them blatantly sure. get <laughs> killed in front of us. And then they're like, eh, never mind. The Valkyrie thing made that sequence feel awkward, too, because it's like we just got here. Now we got to go back to Earth. Then Thor's got to come back to the planet. It just felt like a little clunky, I thought, in the whole yeah. sequence of events. For sure. For sure. I thought they were going to leave Korg as like just a head that they can like attach themselves or leave around and talk to. But then <laughs> I laughed at the end. It was like, no, I grew back. I think Korg even says that. After I grew back, I started a family or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That was, that was a fun moment, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found a, a man to hold hands with in the lava pit. Oh, my God. Dwayne! The the idea of a of like a Cronin, I think, is their type with a mustache really made me laugh a lot. <laughs> it looked really funny. <laughs> we have a pretty extended, I would say, uh, finale in this movie that I thought was pretty cool. Gave us lots of action. Gave us, of course, the comedy that we've talked about. And I would say the most like, I don't know, consistently emotional stuff that wasn't broken up by a joke. I think we could also find here. So let's just talk about it. We have a lot to go through here. So, of course, we get that final big battle where Thor 
goes up to the kids of New Asgard and basically, in a really cool scene, temporarily gives them the power of Thor so they can help him in the battle and be warriors that they're going to grow up to be. We see uh, Gore make it to eternity, even after Jane Foster comes in, even though she knows she's probably going to die if she uh, wields the hammer once again. He makes his wish for his daughter Love to come back. Jane ends up dying in Thor's arms. Uh, Gore ends up dying despite making his wish, but uh, Thor promises to take care of Love despite that. So he adopts her, and in a pretty awesome final line of the movie, I thought, they end up becoming a father-daughter team known as Love and Thunder, which is pretty sweet. And they essentially are going to go out across the galaxy and help people in need. So what do we think? What do we think about kind of just everything and anything to do with the ending here? I have two things. There's there's parts of this I really liked, and there's parts I didn't. Um, mainly, the parts I didn't like were with Gore. Um, I'm really kind of sick of our villains always needing to be redeemed. I wish we could just have a bad guy that's a bad guy because he doesn't like gods. I did like that we got the love and thunder dynamic out of this, though. I'm really excited to see the future of that. Jane's death, I thought, was really impactful. Um, and I like the kind of callback to Sif where you have to die in battle to go to Valhalla. I thought that was kind of cool to see that in the post credit scene. It was cool to see Eternity. Uh, I know I, I'm pretty sure that character is going to come back in all the multiverse stuff because that's usually where that character gets involved. So I'm excited for that. The stuff with the kids I thought was really fun. This was also an ability that I didn't know Thor had to transfer his power to other people. So I was a little bit confused on that. Seems like we could have used that in Endgame. Um, <laughs> yeah. Overall, though, it was I think it was fine for the most part. I was mostly disappointed in how Gore did kind of get redeemed at the end, though. Yeah, that was my biggest problem, too, uh, which is the fact that I wasn't scared of Gore by the end. I really wanted to be scared of this guy, and I wanted Thor to like really want to kill this dude. Um, and that was an opportunity where they could have totally gone a different way, and they could have done like a Thanos kind of snap thing where Gore does use a wishing well to wish something horrible that changes the universe in a bad way. Um, so there's that. And then, but I did like the fact that Thor did give the kids powers. Did he give the powers through his, through the axe or did he get through the, was he holding the lightning bolt when he gave him the powers? Was he using Zeus's lightning bolt when he gave him the powers? At that point, it was the lightning bolt. Um, and it's kind of similar to what Odin does with him where he's like, whoever is worthy can hold the hammer. We've seen it done by Asgardians in the past. I just wasn't aware Thor could do this. Yeah. Maybe I liked it a little bit more than you guys. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed all the elements here because it was pretty much nothing that I expected to happen. Like going into this movie, I never would have expected like the gore making one wish element and then having it end up being bringing his daughter back. I didn't think Jane was going to die in this movie. Certainly didn't think that. Uh, the idea, like you said, Thor imbuing the kids with the power. No idea that was coming. And then, of course, ending the movie with him, like basically adopting a daughter and like that being kind of the way that he they wrap up the Thor storyline of him closing off of himself and his heart, keeping everybody at arm's distance because he's just, he feels PTSD, guilt, depression, and I think, you know, partly the fact that Jane was his first true, true love. I like that they did get closure. I like that they didn't just end it with, like, never acknowledging their relationship and then, like, saying that they loved each other at the end. I liked that, like, two scenes before that, like, whenever they're on the the boat with the goats, like, they acknowledge it there and they kiss, and then, of course, in the hospital, they tell each other they love each other and it's implied if she hadn't died they would have resumed their relationship so i liked uh their final scene together and i liked that you know him kind of taking this child into his life is him opening himself back up again so like i'm really excited to where he'll be in, in a follow-up film because i think it's going to be a, a different type of character but one that is kind of um overcome maybe some of that darkness but i actually like the gore stuff going back to that sounds like maybe i like that a little bit more than you guys 
And maybe it's just because I felt it was different enough from what I was expecting. Like, I, I understand what you're saying about do we need to redeem him? And I guess I would say they redeemed him perhaps in like the Darth Vader sense where he, he's not redeemed for his actions. Again, a reason why Darth Vader is better is we, we did see him do those actions. So it's always tough with gore. and It's always going to be tough because we didn't see a lot of that stuff that they talked about. Can't wait for the deleted scenes to come out for this movie. Yeah, I'm hoping we get some good ones. Um, but yeah, watching him change his wish, bring her back and then die because the sword got broken. And he's just such a good actor. I mean, watching them hold each other and cry and he says he's sorry. It's like he he was able to find redemption through her, which I think is all he really cared about. And I like that Thor called him out on that, that all he really he's not looking for revenge. It's just he wants his daughter back. And so I actually ended up liking how that stuff worked. Um, I also felt pretty sad when Jane died, like you guys said. I like that we didn't hear her catchphrase. (laughs) I like that she just whispered to him and he's like, that's the best one yet. I like that. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear it eventually. Um, But yeah, I got to say this ending, it didn't see any of it coming and pretty much all of it worked for me. So I really enjoyed it. And with love coming into the picture, I I think their relationship's going to be fun to see. I I did like the brief moment we got with like shut up demon and her laser eyes come (laughs) out and stuff like that. I'm excited to see what her powers are. It's kind of cool that she's wielding Stormbreaker now and Thor has Milner back. It kind of looks like they're going to be doing the Guardians of the Galaxy thing, where they're just going around to everybody and just kind of helping people. So maybe they'll cross paths again, too. Eat your pen flaps. <laughs> pen flaps. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Well, of course, before we uh, move on to our final point here, we, of course, got to talk about the post credit scenes that have become so synonymous with Marvel. We already kind of mentioned the Valhalla one. So let's start with that one, even though that was uh, the second one, uh, seeing Jane Foster Actually, um, because she was worthy of Mjolnir, she technically, even though she was only for a brief time, she did die a god. So she gets to go to Valhalla and she is greeted by our old friend Idris Elba as Heimdall. What would you guys think? Anything that we need to take away from this? Like, is this somehow setting up something or did you kind of just take it as it's just kind of telling us it's just a cap off to Jane's story. She's OK, basically. Is that how would you guys read this? I think there's going to be more here. I also don't think you put just Elba in this scene if you're not building towards something. I don't know what that would be. Um, I'm excited to see who else is in Valhalla with her. If we're going to meet any new characters, maybe some old Norse gods or something like that. Maybe we'll somehow see Odin again. Um, there's a lot of things I'm excited for with this. I just don't know what this could be leading towards. I got, I got to think it's got to be something with the final cap off to phase five when all the multiverses have collided and we're fighting and we're fighting Kane. maybe somehow Valhalla opens up and they come to help or something, but I'm excited to see where this goes. Or you think it maybe doesn't mean too much, and maybe it's just like foreshadowing that whenever they do decide to kill Thor off in the MCU, that this might be where he is going? I think you can read it either way. Um, I'm totally with you, Keith. I think there's a possibility that literally this is just kind of foreshadowing Thor, I guess that's like Chris Hemsworth's final scene whenever he decides to hang up the hammer. Uh, and he ends up dying. I think it'll just be like a really sweet scene where he shows up here and you got Jane that he can spend eternity with now, Heimdall, Odin, Frigga. I also think if they ever come back to Valhalla, we are going to see Loki, but it's going to be the one that Thanos killed, not the one from the TV show, you know, with like running around in the TVA. So I think we will see him back with Loki. So I think you could read it as just like showing, hey, this is a pretty cool place and there's really cool people here and Thor will get to spend eternity here someday. Or I think you could also look at it as like, oh, maybe in like Thor 5 or something, 
there's going to be some new world ending threat and like maybe somehow Jane Foster, Odin, Frigga, uh, Loki and Heimdall have to come together in Valhalla. And maybe there's something that they have to like do or there's something they have to create that will somehow help Thor on his journey to defeat like some bigger villain or something. I don't know. Either way, I thought it was just a fun little scene. Or maybe it could be a a story uh, synonymous with Hercules, the animated movie, where he goes to the afterlife to get his love, kind of like what Hercules does, where he goes to the underworld to get his love. So maybe Thor is going to realize Jane is in Valhalla and he does what he can to get there and, and bring her back to the real world or something. But will she want that? Will she want it? Is the question, because Valhalla looks pretty sweet. Looks pretty nice there. Might be better than Earth. Looks like just a building, honestly. <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice waterfall in the background. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. How dare you? There's a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, just saying at some point, drinking in Odin's Hall is going to get old. It's going to get It'll be fun old, for yeah. a week. <laughs> and I don't think you can ever leave. Anyway, uh, Austin with the transition of the year right there, also bringing up Hercules. And this was one I did not see coming, but the other post credit scene is uh shows that like we joked about earlier Zeus got impaled through the chest with his lightning bolt but he's fine and we see his wounds being tended to and he has this great little monologue where he's essentially just saying that he is finally fed up with people not respecting and not fearing gods anymore he mentions like all they care about are their precious superheroes Thor included so he's going to change that somehow and that's going to start with him dispatching his son, Hercules, to go kill the god of thunder. And as we said, he is played by Brett Goldstein, a.k.a. Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. Great casting, if you ask me. Anything you guys took away from this? Anything you're excited about from this little scene in this setup? I'm just excited to see it. I thought Russell Crowe was great in this one. Can't wait to see him with a, a larger role as a, a big bad uh, for another MCU movie. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm also excited. I'm excited to see what Brett Goldstein will do as the roles of Hercules because I love him so much as Roy Kent. Is he gonna still? He's gonna. Ha- is he gonna have that kind of Roy Kent anger as Hercules? Or is he- <laughs> Hercules is a very angry character in the MCU, so I'm sure he will. Mm. I bet that's why he was cast is because he is such an angry actor. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you're right, Austin. Going back to your earlier point, it just seems like the idea of Chris Hemsworth and Brett Goldstein just seems like too good to pass up. Like. They'll definitely be antagonistic at first. Maybe they'll try and kill each other, but I just don't see any situation where they don't end up as good buddies. <laughs> so yeah, I think, for sure. I think that'll happen at some point. And Zeus will probably be upset. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and close out, guys. It is time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is where we just shout out something. Could be positive, could be negative. Anything in between does not matter. It's just something that we think deserves praise in one word or another. So... Austin and Keith, who's going to start us out today for Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah, I'll be giving a, a negative award today. Um, and it's to every single person in my movie theater. And it's the during COVID, did you all forget how to go to a theater question mark award? Because let me take you through my theater experience. So sitting next to my wife was a lady that came to the theater alone and decided she was going to talk to my wife for the entire movie about what was happening oh, in the movie. God. So that's happening on my left. On my right, I have a mother and a daughter combo under a blanket with the daughter turning to her mom every two seconds, telling her that every character on the screen is her favorite character in the MCU and the mom responding, wow, and then explaining the movie to her, the entire movie. To cap it off behind me, I have six middle schoolers who came to the theater without their parents, talked the entire movie and spilled their drinks, not once, not twice, 
but three times and we did get some <laughs> splash damage. So I hate going to the movies now. I hate it. I hate it so much. You really have uh, had some bad experiences. We had, we had some, we had some like at least two or three weird people. We had, yeah. this, wait, we had this one guy, <laughs> this one guy let out the biggest moan. Like the scene ended. He was like, oh, <laughs> Matt and I just looked at each other like, what was that? The movie theater used to be my favorite place in the world, and now I dread it every time because I'm like, will I have a good audience for the love of God? No. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to give the most annoying pets award goes to the two goats for sure. With their young. Oh, I love the goats. I, I know like it's them. unpopular. No, I, I like the goats, but they like I wouldn't want them as a pet, though. I mean, just... Like just constantly <laughs> <laughs> screaming like that. The moment when they smash into the planet and scream, that got me so oh, okay. good. Yeah, that, that was, was funny. Good. Um, I'm going to give the hottest X award, and it goes to Mjolnir the hammer. And while I agree that Stormbreaker is probably a more effective weapon, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, your handle is still fucking baby Groot's like long hand. Uh, so Mjolnir, there is a sophistication to that weapon. There's an elegance. There's a beauty to it and look i'm sorry stormbreaker but i think i'm on thor's side whenever he still wanted to hang out with mjolnir see if he was still worthy i think it's kind of fitting and you just have to accept that now you're a love's weapon i'm sorry at the end of the movie thor is just like here my daughter can have you (laughs) (laughs) but still i know austin said the bit got a bit old it did for me as well but i still it got me pretty good whenever he's looking at at jane and mjolnir and then stormbreaker just slowly comes into frame from the that side. was great but that should have been the end of the joke yeah we should not have had him like tickling stormbreaker's oh, chest but wait no no and that scene when he's like i think it's time for your first beer and then just pours beer on it <laughs> just raises too many questions like can it drink beer? I don't know. Are they sentient? <laughs> Do they have feelings? Do they love Thor? Do they want to mate with Thor? I don't What's know. What's going on in this world? Uh, who's to say? Who's to say? We'll find out soon enough. Well, I think that will leave us on a good question to think about. Are Mjolnir and Stormbreaker sentient? Let us know, guys. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you ever get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for our wrap-up conversation on Season 3 of The Boys. We already talked about the first half, so go check that out. And now it is time to review the last four episodes, and of course, that includes Herogasm, The Finale, and Everything in Between. Well, and if you want to hear some more TV talk from us, uh, just last week, we put our thoughts out on season four, part two of Stranger Things. Uh, so if you want to hear what we thought about the wrap up and going into season five, be sure to go check that out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? How did Chris Hemsworth get his body to look like this? Should Russell Crowe return in every single MCU project from this point forward? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Let us know your thoughts. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time for the boys. See you then. Team Stormbreaker, baby. Give it the respect it deserves. (laughs) 